I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. We finally got the gang back together. We're all back. We're all back. Zach We're is back. Here. I just feel more. It's just. It feels like the holidays, comfort, family. When we're all yeah. four back together again, Zach, welcome back. We don't know where you were. We were gonna if you had didn't show up today. Uh, Jace was gonna. We were gonna do some digital posters to try. Yeah, to, I already had the have picture. Have you seen Zach? I, I was showing Missy the pictures last night of Zach. We were gonna do a missing person poster. <laughs> Zach Dasher yeah. missing. And since we knew you weren't down here, we were going to do it on, yeah. the, on the computer land. We were going to put it out there. As Phil would say. Yeah, so I, we had I, some fun. I'm back. I seem I'm to be back. offending people uh, at will today. I mean, I thought about it. So we got up at 3.55. It's duck season. This was the second. Duck season's back. Second day we hunted, and guess what? Got them again. Ripped them again. We, we weren't in the best spot today so and our decoy technician made a calculated error so uh but oh, we so overcome that's, that's who you offended first offended jay first well because what happened was what had happened was the water's real shallow and uh we tried to get the boat under the blind so it would be camouflage they had dug out in the off season a trench to this blind so we could do it but they forgot one missing piece right up under the blind was dry land. So we could get to the back, but we couldn't put it under. We couldn't get equipment under the roof of the that part. Oh, yeah. Cause, That's where they parked the boat behind the blind. Right. So I had to take the boat back to the bank, get in the P-Row, paddle. All this is happening way before daylight. I did have a deer walk up 10 feet from me. He thought I was... Because, you know, those deer, they hear you pull up, get in the boat, take off. Well, then I came back, you know, and was in a P-Row. Well, he thought we were all out in the blind. So we had a little moment there. I looked at him, he looked at me, and I thought, fortunately for you, I only eat small deer. <laughs> and it wasn't daylight yet. So, But we had a moment. So uh, then I got back out there. Well, by the time I got to that, all decoys out. It's dark. I can't see. So we get in the blind, I load my gun, but as soon as it started getting daylight and they said, it's legal, I looked at the decoys and thought, nope. <laughs> we had the wind at our back. You don't have to be a duck hunter to appreciate this. Airplanes, any kind of thing that's going to land with wind involved. You land into the wind. You land into the wind. Yep. So we had a wind at our back, which is perfect which means they're going to come in our face. Right. But we had 40 decoys way out in front of us. Well, think about it. Decoys make ducks nervous because they're not real. They see them from a distance. And they go, oh, there's a party going on. They get closer, and they're like, wait a minute. So they, when they're saying, wait a minute, we're usually shooting them. Yeah. But they were saying, wait a minute, <laughs> before they got to the decoys, and the decoys were so far. Yeah. Then you could. They they, they were all splitting up every time. Yep. So and but we were still shooting a few. It was longer shots, and then finally I just couldn't take it anymore. And I said, "We got to move him decoys." I said, "We have ten minutes." It was seven twenty. I said, "If we can move these decoys in ten minutes, you would not believe the difference it'd make." Remember when I said that? I'm bringing this up because <laughs> when I tell you what happened. We all went out there and we hurriedly picked up all the ducks and moved the decoys. And we, I got back and looked at my phone and it had been seven minutes. So we did it in seven. Impressive. Three minutes later, I heard, which means there's a big bunch just passed over. And I was like, get out, get out, everybody get out. And I looked up and it was about 25 gadwalls and a couple widgeon were in there. We called, they made about three passes. And they broke into two bunches. And the bunch, it was about, what, eight or ten of them? I lost them because we were all down. And somebody said, right there. And I looked up, and they were coming straight toward our face. Wings started backpedaling. And oh, I said, do it. And we, boom, 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 and got seven wow. out of the bunch of about nine. Mm -hmm. 
I think. No, Vanilla Gum. I mean, that's pretty good. That's very good. And guess what was said? I thought somebody would say, man, we moved them decoys. So glad we moved those decoys. Never a word. (laughs) This is the first time it has been discussed since that happened. (laughs) So we concluded. There was no credit for credit due. There's three things that our fellow hunters will never say. I was wrong. I'm sorry. And I love you. (laughs) You're never going to hear that. In a duck blind. That's right. Not going to get it. And so then Jay starts telling a story. He said, well, Joe, Joe come at the house last night. And I said, who's Joe? <laughs> well, I didn't realize there was a guy in our blind named Joe. Because <laughs> I thought his name was Jersey. And even though we call him Jersey Joe, I just thought just Phil thought that was a... put Joe on the end of it. Because you know how he does. He changes everybody's name. Yeah. But I, if you took Jersey out of the name, I didn't know who he was any longer. <laughs> and he got upset that I didn't know his name was Joe. <laughs> well, and it was bad anyway, because I was sitting there when, this, when this, all this came up. We were sitting around a fire pit last night at the house because we we're having a little birthday celebration because Jersey Joe's son, Joey, is dating Carly, my granddaughter, Jay's daughter. So we were having a little birthday supper. And so Jay starts telling Joe, he said, yeah, you've been, he says, you've been, I said, what was the word he used? He said, you've been uh, something, but anyway, moving, looking at the ducks, you know, while they're working. So I guess Jace must've noticed it. I I said, I fired the comment down there and I did not address, I, did, I obviously didn't say Joe cause I didn't you know didn't. that was his name. And I've known him for about two in years. Your, in fairness to you, there were eight people hunting, and so you don't know everybody anyway, right? A bunch of ducks on the opening day were coming right to left, coming down, and then there was a lot of shuffling and commotion. Yeah, you know, now, you know how, why he said to make the move and start following Jesus with all of his family. This podcast. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Watching that podcast, and he told his wife. That's what, that's what got him. During the growth. We're up here in New Jersey. Now that he's here. Now that he's go here. go down the road without a pistol in your hand. And he's new to the faith, and he's very new to duck hunting. He's. I told him today, after all this happened, I said, if you're going to duck hunt with us, you're going to have to get thicker skin. Because <laughs> if you're shuffling around down there and ducks are flaring, then quit shuffling around. And, he, and look, I told him, I said, Joe, I said, because he was struggling with like, what do I do? And he's worried that he's offended Jace. I said, look, you remember you were in, you were in the firehouse, your fire chief, you were in the firehouse. I said, firemen have to have thick skin when they're dealing with each other. He said, oh, the thickest. I mean, you talk about just needle each other every day. I said, that's it. Take the firehouse Joe into the duck blind and, well, you, you, will, have to and you will thrive. Look, you can't get your yeah. feelings hurt. The world's too sensitive already. If somebody has to be the captain, somebody has to be captain obvious. So my role is when ducks don't come in, you have to assess why. That's right. And there's all, you don't really know. They just, they look, they look like they were coming in and something happened. Well, in that case, I'm pretty sure that all that shuffling. Now, Cy was down there, too. Yeah, which he's a shuffler. And I didn't pick out any names. Cy says he cannot have face paint, whatever. He can be so still like a statue that he can just look at ducks and they'll never see him. That's what he says. Now, he's been saying that for years. So So I I fired a haymaker down there and said, hey, (laughs) quit shuffling. Too much shuffling. I didn't know who it was, but the ducks flared, and it was a big bunch. It was about 40 teal. Yeah. And they flared straight up and took off. Too much shuffling. They were getting ready is what it was. They they saw them, and then it was right. somebody, you know, knocked something over, and they was getting together. They were just but, shuffling. So you would have felt good about this, though. Jay actually took the blame because he's kind of taking Joe under his wing because he, he doesn't hunt. I mean, there are subtle things about duck hunting that you can only learn from other duck hunters, yep. like when to look, where to look, when to be ready, what to do. And so he's Jay's like, no, it's my fault because I didn't tell you don't be looking around. You look at the guy at the end of the blind, the guy that's calling the dust. And look, when he gets ready and says, let's get him, then you just come up ready. Exactly. Look, you know. Duck hunting is a lot like your faith. It has to grow. And the only way to do that is people hold you accountable. That's right. You can't get your feelings you hurt. feelings hurt. We also address the decibel level of normal talking. Yeah. Like right now, this is too loud. Yeah. So, so yesterday he was telling a story and I said, too loud. And, and he quietened down. He wasn't sure what I was saying. 
I said, still too loud. <laughs> and then he then he was talking. He said, so there I was. I said, perfect. Well, now he knows that's right. that if we're going to talk in the blind, that's the decibel uh, level. It's like the little bars when it gets red, red. Nope, ducks hear that. Ducks hear that. So, but he, he took At the it. end of the day, if you remember all these things, I mean, the idea is to trick them, trick the ducks. You're trying to trick them. And it's, and Jace is right. It's a, when you're, when something's not going right, you have to do a process of elimination to eliminate as many things as you can to yeah. trick them. So some you, things it are can not. Help, it can help your life spiritually because it's a lot of. Well, here's why I know that the Jersey Joe's on the right track. He just walked out of the room a minute ago. And they were talking about tomorrow, who's going to go. And he said, well, I really want to go tomorrow. And Jason said, yeah, just go take my spot. Well, if after all this discussion for two days, if the guy said, I want to go tomorrow, that says I'm ready to get after it. That's that's a good sign for Jersey. He did. So we were doing that story where the blind man was hollering at Jesus. Now, see, that's different. It's because sometimes people will call. They use a duck call, and they're calling too loud. He had never hunted ducks before he came down here. No, it's yeah. first time. You know how. I mean, there's so many subtleties. Oh, this one's you got to think about it. If you're calling ducks, if you're calling at ducks, and you have a person in the blind talking louder than what you're calling. Yeah, no good. Yeah. That's, what are we doing here? Yeah. They're not coming in here. Well, They're, plus we all know. He'll realize at the end of the year that the things you have to oh, he'll be seasoned after two or three years but, but oh, you know yeah. how it is i'm not trying to purposely hurt people's feelings but somebody has to say if we're going to be successful we we have to this is the way it is so that's why we stopped cut brush this morning yep because if they see you you're not gonna kill anything yep yep you gotta be but, you but gotta i could be tell it. they were like well what? The br- why are we cutting brush i brush these blinds all during the summer and you know, and we drive by one after two months. Uh, Going to need a little bit more on that backside. <laughs> well, I know it's why. Always putting, putting. I, I just saw a video two days, three days ago, of a beaver in somewhere up north, Massachusetts, maybe, and it was dragging two limbs, looked like two big willow limbs to me, across the road. It had traffic stopped in both directions. Nobody was making a move. They were just yeah. letting them go. And I thought, yep, he just took that off of somebody's duck line. If you, have, it, we live with beavers because we pump water in. They try to stop it up. Mm-hmm. When we try to drain it, they they stop it up. So we're taking out beaver dams every year, and I mean it is a hassle. Oh yeah, it is amazing that a furry animal like that with a flat tail <laughs> can move that much dirt. <laughs> I mean, and wood and everything oh. else. Yeah. So I mean, they're they're a bone to be chewed. They're they're God's uh, engineers. It made me when I watched what they could do. Mm-hmm. I said, "There is a God in heaven." Yes, they they, they didn't have to go to engineering. Said, this thing can move tons of earth. That's right. They get together, and where they put one of them dams, you could take a, a professional down there on the elevation and all it, that beaver. Just trust the beaver. And you're saying they didn't have two he guys out there shooting the, it on a on a. That's right. <laughs> he did it just from instinct, yep. which tells you something about it, doesn't it? Yep. Let's, let's take our first break. So obviously, we, um, you know, our whole kind of duck life, I guess, started with a business. Started with a small business. Uh, Dad, you had an idea for a duck call. Um, then we had to figure out how to build them. And then try to figure out if anybody would want to buy some. Yep. Uh, and they did ultimately, and and we get it going from small to medium size, and of course into what you want to be in as the big business. Um, your business out there may be humming along. You start falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work. It's taking forever to close your books. Getting one source of truth becomes like pulling teeth. If this is you, this is your business, and you're growing to this point, you need to know about three numbers. 36,000, 25, and 1. So these, this is from our friends at NetSuite. And so 36,000, that's the number of businesses uh, which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's the number that they turned this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And of course, that number one, 
because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all your KPIs, which are your key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve your margins. Everything you need in one place. So right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash fill. That's netsuite.com slash fill to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash fill. So Zach, any any news from you? We hadn't talked to you in a while. Have you had anything interesting going on in your life or your family's life? Been traveling. Yeah, um, yeah nothing really super interesting. Just uh, yeah, I've just been out of town, so that's why I haven't been here. I got you. Went to Tennessee for for about a week. Uh, Jason didn't see you there, so I thought maybe we'd run across each other while I was there. But Jason maybe, was there maybe for a while. Where's the blind now? The 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 uh, the viewing it's it's over in the churches and whatever are, are yeah, it's still going. Can you track the like downloads and stuff and stuff like that, or does that kind of come out later? Zach? how does that work? Because I know like they keep up. It's easier to keep up with ticket sales at a at a theater, but like, how yeah. do you track how it's doing with the kind of digital DVD stuff? It kind of trickles in. Okay. Like, um, yeah, but yeah, it's doing it. It did. It's done very well on DVD. It's been number one on Amazon on DVD for a while. Um, December 5th. Um, yeah, tomorrow you'll be able to get this on, you'll be able to get the blind on, uh, you can rent it on Amazon, Apple, all the all the rental places uh, online for probably five, five, six bucks. So that starts tomorrow. So um, yeah, it's still going. And we're still, I mean, that's got a long downstream window. So um, well, and there's already, um, I heard from a, a friend of mine that's uh, up in Tennessee. Uh, I think it's in the Chattanooga area, and uh, his church is going to have a movie night. Uh, I guess it's tomorrow on the fifth, and um, they're showing the movie there. And they people bought some tickets, or however it works. I don't know if they're, how they're doing it, but they're just doing it as an outreach. And he sent me a note and said it was they expecting a full house, and. Um, so it's gonna be, you know, there's a lot of things like that that are gonna happen as well, which I think yeah. is a brilliant idea because it's a great way to share the gospel in a unique way because it's the gospel on the screen, you know. That's that's really all it is. So I think you'll you'll it hear really a lot of a uh, lot more people coming to Christ over, which is pretty exciting. Well, it's that that and my daughter's getting married, so we got that going on too. So yeah. um, how do you feel about that? Be- you excited to? Now be a patriarch. You're a, you're an official patriarch when your kids start getting married, in my opinion. That's true. It's that's kind of surreal. Yeah, it happens quick, man. It does. It goes fast. And, well, and she's my dad's great, and so is he. Though he's a you got yeah. My, and my there. dad's getting married the same month, so oh, he's really? getting married. Oh yeah, he's he's engaged, and they finally picked a date. Um, so we're going to do their ceremony at my house. So we're yeah. going to go Robertson style on that. And just yeah. keep it. Low budget. That's the kind of wedding I like. Well, think Low about budget. that. So how do you ever think that's going to happen? That your your first born and your dad, because you know you never anticipate losing your mom, obviously. But how, how who would have ever anticipated that they both be getting married the same month? How could you ever even plan for that? It's, 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 it's a, a speed. It's a little they get to, to the age of marriage is amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah, so Dad's back in. He's back in action now, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of weird, you know. But it, you I know. love, I love who now. I guess will be. Would she be a? What's a stepmom? Is that what she'll be? I don't Once know. What, yeah, I guess she'll be my stepmom. Stepmom. Yeah. So yeah. she's a fantastic lady. I mean, uh, it. You realize something, and I don't know, Zach. You're. I'm not a. I'm not her son, but I am her nephew, and it was one of her favorite nephews. But she, you know, you you'll never quit loving your aunt that's been gone a while. But then it's funny because like with Gordo, you know, he was, you know, he's nervous. Like how's the family going to embrace? But this woman is amazing. I mean, she's, yeah, we love her. She's, but she's a lot different than Jan, you know, in some ways you see some similarities. I can see why he was drawn to her, but she's a fantastic lady. And so I don't know, you know, it's just something you never think about having to have someone else come into your family at this stage of your life. But um, I think they're doing it the right way. So, 
Yeah, it's funny when we did the that blind podcast. Um, my sister was reading all the comments, and the one that Dad was on talking about mom. Some lady just ripped him to shreds for for uh, for. Uh, I think she said he was remarried, and she's like, "It's too soon." Just I mean, just ripped him. Uh, and I was like, "Trust me, my mom." Is good. She's in heaven. She ain't worried about. She ain't worried, she ain't worried about, about, it. about who he's married to. Oh, that's funny. She's good to go. And we're yeah. good with it. So that's cool. It's, I mean, it's, it's awkward, but it's funny. It's awesome. I mean, it's awesome too. So yeah, you know, it, it is. And time. and she's a great lady. So all right. So we're uh, we're in Luke eighteen. Um, is is where we left off. We uh, we talked about the last couple of podcasts. We talked about the rich young ruler, um, and kind of fleshed out his you know, his whole story. And then you had this, cause there was really, there's three encounters that take place starting in verse 18 of Luke 18, 18, before Jesus goes into Jerusalem. The first mm-hmm. one is the rich young ruler. The second one is the, the blind beggar that we talked about on the last podcast. And then the third one that we'll talk about um, a little bit later today uh, on the podcast is Zacchaeus. And there's some reasons why I think Luke included him, especially in light of what we've been talking about. But then right in the middle of that, that dad's been alluding to for a while, looking forward to is Jesus reminding them about what they were about to do. Cause they're, they're about to go into Jerusalem and it's on. I mean, like it's about to happen. Everyone needs to read the last four, two to three pages, two, two pages to do it at the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because all through Matthew, Luke, John, all of them, those four writers, they uh, they all bring it together, but they're on the same page, all of them. Right. Jesus is saying, "I'm coming down. I'm going to die for the sins of the world." And yeah, here's how you need to operate while you're on the earth. And and we made the point, Zach, that even the disciples didn't really understand according to Luke, what was going on, whether they just didn't get it or whether it was held back from, for whatever reason, they didn't see this because they obviously like... I remember they hit the road. Oh, yeah, because they all left him, right? Yeah. So we made the point, Zach, with the rich young ruler, I'd say if I could sort of boil it down to one thought, it was that it wasn't necessarily as much about his wealth and his money, but about what he was willing to surrender to. Yeah, I mean, is that a, a good way to con- be concise, Chase? I mean, yeah, was, I would say I made the illustration of money, especially back then, was viewed as God's favor on you, and and it made you powerful. Which still, even today, money is powerful. Yeah, I mean, you if you got a bunch of it, you can go where you want. If you're on the right track and you're on the <laughs> The track you shouldn't be on is still a powerful thing. Yeah. Well, it, it's powerful though. I mean, you you it just it makes you comfortable. You can buy land. You Isn't can do it, things. Uh, said with about it. it, it's it's a root. You know, it's it's kind of like a root that's not good. No, we said the love of money is the root of all kinds. But of people yeah. will listen yeah, the love to of you money more. Is a root of all evil. Yep. It will give you an audience because basically they're trying to get it. Yep. But but even like the tax collector, you know, you got Rome was in charge. They were using these Jewish tax collectors as basically their bagman. So they were being rewarded handsomely and they were under their protection. And they were using the money for, you know, dating and sex and yeah. It was it was a power play. So when you get to Zacchaeus, they're not far from modern day reaction to money. <laughs> That's true. I have to admit, even today, there's a guy I play cards with that he worked for the IRS for 30 years. And so when I'm in a hand with him, I really want to win. <laughs> <laughs> it just means more. Just <laughs> taking his money makes you feel a little better. Maybe I should a say A little that. better about it. But it's just like, yeah. All those years That's when right. I didn't know you, you got payback coming here, buddy. So why is yeah, that? Think, you know, it just bothers us, I think. It does. Uh, I think there's another thing that's interesting about this passage I've always thought was profound is that if you've come out of kind of evangelical culture over the last, I don't know, 10, 
15 years, there's just been a kind of a resurgence. And, and this is partly positive, positive in a lot of ways is, is there's been a, a shift away from legalism in the church. And you go back, you know, 30 years ago, I mean, pretty much, I mean, not just the church we grew up in, but across the spectrum, it was, there was a lot of legalism and works based salvation that was being taught, preached, uh, attempted to be lived out in the church communities, which legalism is, you know, you're trying to like earn your way. It's a works-based system. It's not a, a grace-oriented system. And um, something happened in, in evangelical culture where we shifted away from that, thankfully, and moved into more of a grace movement. Um, but I think one of the things that has happened is that we've diminished um, the importance of, of, of action and doing something, um, you know, when, in the Bible, it doesn't say that your actions earn you salvation, but there is plenty of prescriptive stuff here that uh, that we're supposed to do. And so the the rich young ruler, the thing I love about this question that he asks, he's, he's asking, good teacher, what shall I do to, inter- to inherit eternal life? And you would think that Jesus would say, well, you don't have to do anything. It's the finished work of Christ that did it all. Like, I'm going to finish this off and you don't have to do anything. It's all grace. But he doesn't say that. I mean, he really does tell him to do stuff. And he says, well, you know, the commandments, you know, uh, um, do not commit adultery, do not murder. So he gives him all the things that he knows he's probably done, um, which is or at least uh, he's done in terms of superficially. He's done them. And and the guy's like, yeah, I've kept all those. And then he's oh, then there's just one more thing that you need to do. Sell everything you have, give to the poor and follow me. And I think that that follow me part of this is indicative of what I think the full gospel is, that we do do things as Christians. I mean, we don't do it to earn salvation, but there, but, but what we do has eternal consequences because it's what we do that shapes what we want, and it's what we do that shapes who we follow. And so I think what Jesus is pointing to here, he's basically showing this guy, you know, you're, you got stuff that you're not going to, like, you want to you be with me, then come follow me. I mean, that's the end of the story is, is, is to come follow me, to become my disciple, become, um, I think Eugene Peterson or somebody calls it, be my apprentice, you know, be, learn under me. You know, you're like a journeyman, like learn under me, learn to be like me. And, um, and, and I love that because I think so often we've just hung out on this, you know, Christ did it all and he did do all of it in terms of our salvation. But if you want real peace in your life, I mean, you got to make decisions to do things differently. Yeah, it's kind you know, of there's things you got to give up and sacrifice. So we're always a uh, um, really proud of Unashamed Nation, just the way you guys support us, and um, that hasn't. I mean, that's been seen more clearly through the blind, maybe than anything we've done so far. Yeah, uh, Dad, I, I think you can say now safely because you weren't sure about it going in that it's definitely was worth it to make the movie. Would you agree? I was shocked to tell you the truth about it. On the numbers. And it was such a good shot because it's it's changed a lot of people's lives. Now it's available, of course, on digital. And, Zach, that's probably a good thing, right? Because I know a lot of people have reached out to us wanting to use it in devotionals and, you know, uh, house churches and church settings and Sunday school classes. So now you can actually have it yourself. Oh, yeah. I get calls all the time. Hey, what's that? Give me the lines from this part of the movie or, or clips or I get, I get those calls all the time. So now, yeah, you can you can purchase a digital copy on the blaze. That's exactly right. Uh, you can own it. Uh, you can use it however you want to uh, to continue to further the kingdom, which was our, our idea by making it. Uh, you don't have to subscribe to Blaze TV. You just go to blaze TV dot com slash the blind uh, to purchase it. Uh, on digital and then watch it instantly and have it available. Uh, also, if you buy now, they're going to give you a code for 20% off all unashamed in the woods and the blind merchandise only in blaze TV stores. You get some really cool stuff and save you a little money for some Christmas gifts as well. So go to blaze tv.com slash the blind to watch the blind today. Uh, I, I talked about that in my sermon Sunday with the uh, the younger son. You know, he was in the pig pen and said he came to his senses. He said, you know, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against a man. So he had this like confession, humble moment. But then it said, and he got up and went to his father, to your point, Zach. 
if he if he just would have had that moment and realized that in his humility that he was in the wrong, but he never got up and left the pig pen, then nothing's going to yeah. change for him. So there has yeah. to be action that goes along with decision. No doubt about and it's it. Not a, and it's not, it's not, we're not saying, I don't think Jesus is saying here, hey, you need to go prove yourself and no. do enough good work that I'm going to approve of you. It's not, this is a, a part of the kingdom life. A big part of it is that we're, it, it's a life that's transformed and you just can't, we, there is action involved on our part. And um, I think that's the kind of the nuance that we're probably, the church is going to have to walk in in this next phase of, of history is, kind of moving back into, okay, what do we got to actually do and how does this gospel apply to the life that I'm living right now in my day-to-day actions? Yeah. But to me, what separates Jesus from every other religion is religion, they will tell you what you need to do. And and maybe if you embrace that process, you will find, you know, whatever God they're promoting, find his favor. You will arrive. But really what I've learned just going in depth with these Gospels here lately and the more I think about it, I'll give you three three illustrations. You had Nicodemus, who was a member of the ruling Jewish council, this rich young ruler, and Zacchaeus. Well, all three of these people were powerful people. And Jesus, to uh, to really take the thought from uh, C.S. Lewis wrote about this in Mere Christianity when he said something to the effect of that Jesus is not trying to make improvements for you or inspire you or just inform you. He's trying to make you new. This mm-hmm. this is a revolutionary, and really it's the idea of conversion, I think. it's uh, And in that C.S. Lewis book, he had an illustration about you know, horses, he's not trying to, like like how you would train and break a horse and then build him back up and, yeah. and make it. He's like, he's turning a horse into a winged creature, which doesn't make any sense because that, that was his point. It, it's a new creation. Yeah. And so when you read those yeah. verses uh, in 2 Corinthians 5 where it says what counts is you know, a new creation, and then Paul said it again in Galatians 6, the only thing that counts is a new creation, faith expressing itself in love. I mean, you remember what he told Nicodemus? He said, you need to be born again. Well, you would never think in your wildest dreams that a member of the Jewish ruling Christian, you know, or religious council, not Christian that he was following Jesus, but you would view him as like the high and mighty, the last thing you would ever think is he would say, well, you got to be born again. In fact, he didn't even understand the concept. He was like, well, how am I going to get back in yeah. my mother's? <laughs> and I think that's that's the point. You know, we tend to think in Christianity, well, somebody's got to have something really bad happen to them so they'll have a powerful testimony or some radical change. And look, that happens. But really, it's more about like in this case of the rich young ruler, that's the principle Jesus was trying to say. You, you've done all these legal things, and so he countered his legal argument with a heart argument of you need to give up your power, and your power's money. Well, I'm sure that guy was thinking, well, where's that written at? Yeah. Hey, what are you saying? I'm sure he gave a tenth of everything he had. He, he probably followed right the letter of uh, the law. Down to the mint. It's like sell everything. And I think that's the power of Jesus. He, he, is, he came in weakness. He died in weakness to make us strong. And the power that he's presenting is for us to serve and, and follow his example, relying on his power. And new creations are being made. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's interesting because we didn't get into this when we talked about it, but you talking about that made me think, you know, he came to Jesus feeling like that he wasn't fulfilled. I mean, you don't ask that question unless you feel like there's still something more. And if you look in the Matthew context of it, he says, you know, he says, what, what good thing must I do to, to um, get eternal life? And so he's, and then Jesus says a little bit differently. He said, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? Then he says them, same ones from Luke. Then he says, all these I have kept. But then he says this, 
what what do I still lack? So there was something he knew in his heart of hearts that he still lacked, or he wouldn't be asking this question. And then Jesus said yeah. it this way in Matthew, if you want to be perfect, which we know he wasn't going to be perfect, but what Jesus meant was if you want to be in me, that's what he was saying. I mean, the only way he's ever going to be perfect, complete, is in Christ. Is in Christ. Go sell your possessions, give to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Well, that's my point. This is a total, this is total surrender. That's right. It's not that you're totally perfect, but you made a perfect decision, which is rely on what God has done for you instead of what you have to offer. That's right. And that's, yeah, that's why that, that's why you can't underestimate the power of, of, I mean, Jesus did not leave it at sell everything you have and give to the poor. He didn't leave it there. That's right. There is a big and in between that. There's a, there's do that. Yes, do that and follow me, which is really the answer to the question. Because if you remember what Jesus said in John 17, three, when he defined eternal life, he defined, so the guy's asking, how do I get eternal life? Well, Jesus said in John 17, three, that eternal life is to know the one true God and Jesus Christ, his son, whom he sent. So when Jesus, when that man asks, how, you know, how do I get eternal life? He kind of takes him on a journey to get to this point that you want, well, I am eternal life. Follow me. And to, the eternal life is to know the one true God and Jesus Christ, the son who he sent. I'm here. I'm Jesus. I'm the son of God. I'm the incarnation of the, of the, of the, the living God, the triune God. I, I, I'm, I'm him. So if you want eternal life, then what you're asking is you want me. So come, come on, sell that and come with me. Uh, the, the bigger emphasis is not, uh, is not on the, the, the wealth of the man or what he's giving up. The, big, the bigger emphasis is on what he's going to. And I think that's the point I'm making. We've focused a whole lot on what we're saved from, but we don't talk enough about what are we saved to. And we're saved to life in Christ, relationship with the living God, which if you don't have that, you can have all the rules you want and you can, in your mind, keep all of them. But at the end of the day, you're still going to be like, something's lacking because there's a God-shaped hole in your heart that only he can fulfill. And no matter where you're at, like that's going to be the end of it for any of us. So I think that's an interesting um, uh, little, just that follow me, come follow me. Those three words are super powerful. And you're right, Zach, because he confirms that when Peter asks him, well, we've left everything, you know, what have we done the right thing? And then he tells them, yes, anybody that's followed me, you've, you've walked away from whatever you have to follow me, you will gain more in this age and in the age to come. What, so, what helped me uh, in Romans 5, 17, well, start the middle of the other one. The judgment followed one sin, Adam, I'm adding to Adam, and brought condemnation. One man was was the reason everybody sins and dies, brought death. Uh, the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, and Adam brought it on all of us, death reigned through that one man, how much more? Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? One brought it all on us, and one's going to be the one to get us out of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That's why I made the point yesterday. The Bible's about Jesus. All these other things you come to understand how to approach them in that view, yep. Because it seems harsh when when it's he told Peter, gonna, he said, still, they're, "They're still going to make mistakes." But the main thing is relying on Jesus and Him alone to get you out of that. Well, exactly, because he made this profound statement where he said, "Whoever, no one in verse uh, twenty-nine of eighteen, no one who has left home or wife or brothers yep. or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom." won't fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. It's a changed But if lifestyle. you tell somebody to leave your house and your mm -hmm. family, you're like, well, wait a minute now. This is this sounds like some kind of cult. <laughs> but you're putting it in perspective, which how many religious people do you see today 
view Christianity as an insurance policy and has nothing to do with what's going on in their home or in their relationship with their kids or what they're doing on their phone or how they're making their money or, well, you know, this that's that's not the way to function as a follower of Jesus. I mean, it, it's going to go into every aspect. And that's what this guy was doing. I mean, he's basically saying hey, this guy's negotiating as a contract. He's a business guy. He's like, what's the deal? What's the contract? Like, he's he's trying to make a contract with Jesus. What do I got to do to add eternal life to my collection of belongings and wealth? My already that's, impressive that's resume. Of, yeah, yeah, already impressive resume. I've got it figured out. Like, like I, I need that. Let me let's work a deal. What's the contract? And I think that's what Jesus is getting to the core of. That's why he starts off with that stuff about the Ten Commandments. Even though this guy, there's no way he followed the Ten Commandments. I mean, nobody does, right? Right. Yeah, we made that point. Yeah, we made that point yesterday. And Jesus knew that. But I also think, to your point, they're having an argument or a discussion, and he's looking at it from a business venture. What threw him for a loop? Because most religious people would say, look, go sell everything you have. Give it to us. We'll take care of your (laughs) money. (laughs) But, But Jesus didn't say that. He said, give it to the poor, which shows you he, he is concerned about people that are poor and and maybe the injustices that were happening where's the money going to take you but he's like well you don't even want the money i mean that's what's three for a loop it's like just go sell it and give it to the poor I he mean, didn't that, say give it to me exactly because you know nah, he didn't say that somebody's like you know he's a religious leader like give me all your money trust us i'm i'm that very statement makes me not want to trust them. You know? But if they would say, look, go sell everything and give it to the poor, and then let's let's meet up, I would tend to think, huh, okay. okay, well, he doesn't want my money. He's not getting any gain out of that. Well, what? Why would he possibly be telling me to do that? What would he have to gain by doing that? And I think that's what he wanted him to really think about. life was riding on it it's well and, on it. and just you're doing good with it, it it's yeah. not going to help you with the big stuff the so. law was added so that the trespass might increase but where sin increased grace increased all the more so that just as sin reigned in death that's one group and a big one so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through jesus christ our lord and and to Zach's earlier point, Dad, that what you just one read, person brought us, the other person would deliver us. So what Paul makes a point of that is saying this sounds so good. So then you get into the next chapter, Romans six. So what are we saying? This this grace is so great. Should we just dive headfirst into a sinful life? Because you know, the more we sin, the more grace increases. Yeah. He, then he says, by no means, yep, we died to it. yeah. Yep. And so that's to your point earlier, Zach, about how we live to Some something point, new. Some point you got to be willing to give it all up. Well, we should live to something new and better, right? Yeah. I mean that that well, becomes and, and think about the think about the context of Romans six. He gives us a very clear picture of it's not just that we died to ourselves; it's that we died with Christ through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ is raised from the dead, we too may be raised to live a new life. So that Romans six passage even is indicative of what he's saying here about following him he's what he's saying is be united with me like this is this is what baptism is by the way which is so interesting i love that that you just brought that up because like we 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 harp on baptism a lot but like what is it i mean it it, it, it has it to is be a starting un- point between good and evil as far as and it's and it's and it's the it's union with we're saying it's it's a, it's the symbol of being unified with christ and it answers that question that is obviously going to come up when you think about the expansive grace of God. When you think about, well, man, if I if if you're telling me, Paul, that the more the more times I sin, the more I get grace. Well, man, I should just go sin some it's more. Just live so a I sinful life, grace. right? Like that is the that's the logical answer, a question right. to that to Paul's statement. So he anticipates that in Romans six. And he goes to the same place Jesus went to. He said, "Well, no, no, no. You're not understanding what this is. This is about being unified with." There had Christ. to be a starting point. Shall we? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? 
that if you start down that road, you say, so I'm participating, I'm free from all sin. I've guaranteed to be raised from the dead. I'm beginning to get it. There's a lot at stake. <laughs> and so, Zach, I believe that that point is what Jesus meant when he told the disciples that if you follow me, you will receive many times as much in this age as in the age to come. I think that's exactly what he was talking about. A blessed life in this age. And he was talking directly to his disciples when he said that, or what the life they were going to live from when the day of Pentecost till they don't all let were money marked. get in the way. No, well, I mean, I think, money. so if you go, if you look up on the internet, the richest man in the world. Do y'all know who the richest man in the world is? Hmm. Bezos. No, he's number three. Somebody in Elon Musk, Saudi nope. Arabia. There you go, Elon, Elon Musk, Musk, number one, two hundred and whatever fifty billion. Zuckerberg's on there. Warren Buffett, I think he's five, but. Here's where they're getting it wrong. So if you read Philippians four nineteen, it says, uh, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Number one should be members of the kingdom of God. <laughs> I like mm-hmm. that. That's right. They got it wrong. That's right. I mean, you just think glorious riches of Christ. He's plugged into the creator of the universe. Right. I mean, it's just a true statement. It is. So and if you look at that and get depressed, I mean, what's what's Elon Musk going to do? Buy Twitter. Go to space? Go to figure space. out a way to live longer? Provide us with better internet here for the unashamed. <laughs> I'm just saying yeah, there's yeah. one. There's be... the kingdom of members of the kingdom, and then there's everybody else. Because what's the difference in 232? But you read that earlier in that context, Jace, you really understand why that statement is so powerful. Because Paul said, I've learned to be content whether I have anything or nothing. That's what I mean. So how could you possibly defeat somebody that's content whether they have anything or nothing? You're talking about not being driven by what the world's driven by. That's why at face yeah. value, when you read the rich young ruler, people who are not followers of Jesus think that's the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard in their life. You know, now maybe some of the left wing liberals of our world that would appeal to them, which I think is fascinating because he's making a case to go give that to the poor, which is usually a left-wing yeah. agenda. Take from the rich. Jesus is fully embracing right here in this moment. He's like, go. I don't care who they are. He didn't specify which. He just right. said, go give all your stuff to the poor, and then cut, let's, you follow me, and I'll show you where we're going. Right. If you, and the whole question was, what, how do I live eternally? This That's is right. how you do it. He was actually offering him a richer scheme. Yeah. Than he currently had. That's right. And he was the problem when he went away sad. Right. Because he was a man of great material wealth. He couldn't walk away from yeah. it. Yeah. Jesus was really saying, that's not really making you wealthy. That's not it. It's, it's an it, illusion. Just to, re, just, it's, just it's, to reiterate, you you can't. You got you death give coming up. Now, then what? Well, you got death. And I'm sure he had a host of problems. I mean, look at Zacchaeus. You know, he was hated. He's by himself. He's so, he was so uh, just on an island for, from the people that he he had even lost all shame. He's climbing a tree, you know, he's a short fella anyway. I'm sure he was just yeah. getting one haymaker after another. And, but he was curious about Jesus. And I, it's probably due to loneliness. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, it, you know, just to reiterate too, that it's, you could sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and still not have eternal life if you leave off the last part. If you leave well, exactly. off the part about right. follow, following yeah. Jesus. I think it's he's highlighting this particular I think it's wrong to read the passage as this is this is written this is a story about a particular person who Jesus in his divine knowledge and you know knew he knew this man's heart. And so yeah, he the point is is not necessarily still everything you have to do the poor. The point is, come follow me. Give up what's most important to you, and then come follow me. That that's the that's what's prescriptive for all of us. Is like what? How do we get eternal life? Give up what you want most and come follow Jesus. 
give up what your give up your other god and our gods and come follow Jesus the true living god that that's the real i think that's the core of what Jesus is doing here well that's why that second story we talked about when you weren't here when i read mark's version and you read uh what was the two verses i picked out i think it was 35 and 51 of mark 10 you know he asked his disciples what do you want me to do for you and they said, well, we want, one of us wants to be on your right and one of us wants to be on your left in the kingdom of God. And then when he got to the blind man sitting on the side of the road, he asked him the same identical question. What do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to see. And so it's amazing how one was coming from a place of selfishness from his followers and the other was coming from unselfishness because he, he, he had just he was blind on on the road, but he recognized Jesus as the Son of David, which meant he knew that the King was here. Right, and, and that contrast is very inspiring because mm-hmm. you have one who you would overlook as not being very powerful or understanding because he can't even see physically. But he got it. And and Jesus, you know, especially in Mark's account, he's making a point there. And I think he does the same thing with the rich young ruler. And then one paragraph later, you have Zacchaeus, who was so impressed about Jesus and, and Jesus willing to take persecution for going and eating at his house, that he was willing to give half of his possessions. I mean, that was his response to to Jesus coming to his house. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm giving half of what I have to the poor. And then he's like, and everybody I've done wrong, I'm going to give four times what I, what I did wrong. Well, that, that was the same response. Yeah. That that was the same response that he was trying to get out of the rich young ruler, but he didn't understand the proximity of who he was uh, of who he was talking to. He was in the proximity of the Son of God, that's King right. of Kings. And that's that vision part of it. So, all right, we're out of time. Um, I, I've got a thought I want to talk about in overtime, Zach, that you sparked about the idea of walking away from wealth and what you have, but doing it without Jesus. I've got some uh, modern and middle-aged uh, examples that I want to talk about that in the overtime. So if you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed is where overtime will be. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.